0: Uh, so it, it's a it's a weird night where I think you may you may see everyone declaring victory <laughs> and, and maybe have good reason to do it, you know, from a just from their own tactical lens.
1: Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for take.
0: Instant podcast time with Kevin Grout, Jared Crawford, and the aforementioned Scott Jennings. I am Joe Arnold. Uh, Scott, we have an immediate reaction here as the, just moments ago, the Donald Trump town hall in New Hampshire, with uh, moderated by CNN's Caitlin Collins, uh, just wrapped up Uh, a lot of crosstalk there between your colleague at CNN with President Trump. And I will say for CNN's, uh, whether it's their credit or their detriment, a, an audience full apparently of Donald Trump supporters. yeah, the the crowd was Republican voters or Republican leaning independents uh, because it's focused on the primary and and that's that's how they wanted to, to stock it. You know, for Trump, this couldn't have worked out any better because most of what he said tonight was met with applause. Uh, the jokes he told were met with laughter. He got look to me like he got a standing ovation at the end of it. And so this really was a uh, I think his campaign and he must consider this to be a massive success. I mean, he I think he agreed to this thing to show that he's vigorous enough to handle the rigors of a campaign and ultimately another term in the White House. He wants to juxtapose that figure and energy against Biden, who, you know, can't hold a press conference and frequently struggles with even prepared remarks. So I think from that perspective, he succeeded. And then one other comment and I'll, I'll, we'll go around the horn. I think to analyze this town hall, you really have to understand, and this is, this has never been gotten right by a lot of people in the press. You have to understand that Trump speaks a totally different language that is understood by his biggest supporters and most Republican primary voters. It has never been understood by the media or the Democrats. And he spoke that language tonight. He showed that he is still the master of that language. And what's it good for? It's good for winning a Republican nomination, but it's never been good for winning the national popular vote in a presidential election. So if you're thinking about this in terms of the primary, this is a total slam dunk winner for Trump tonight. If you're thinking about this in terms of general election 2024, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, just, Jared Crawford does the content. Okay, go ahead, Kevin. Just yeah. just
1: looking at it was a a contrast to everything we've seen from Biden, not just in weeks, but in in the last year. And I, I think to Scott's point, that's that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted to show that this guy can hold a conversation, uh, even a feisty one, even a back and forth. Uh, what it, what it didn't do, I think, is is talk about anything in the future. They spent the first what forty five minutes relitigating everything from. Not just 2020 but 2016, even going back further. It, it was a lot of the same. It was the same stuff that we've heard all over again. I think the the defining factor was the energy of it all.
0: Jared
2: Yeah, I, it, again it it's I even think back to when Trump relaunched his campaign there was this little bit of sense of like has he has he lost it a little bit? is he is he kind of slowing down a tiny bit? And I don't know if that was just kind of the format of that initial press conference, but I think we, we've clearly seen he's still got that sort of like vigor and fire. And clearly, the people who, uh, you know, are supporting him still have that too. I mean, he's the only politician I've ever seen who can control a crowd like that. In a sort of mundane, like, and you know, like, look, the rallies were one thing, but the way he can still kind of control this crowd, the the quick, you know, the kind of witty remarks he's and and at times maybe offensive remarks, frankly, but the witty remarks he still has. I and mean, the showmanship,
1: pulling out the receipts I mean, of his tweets
2: just from January six. He was ready. He, I mean, he, j- just on that point, him, you know, early on being like, I, I don't want to pull it out. I don't want to bore you. And then a few moments later, it's like, ah, you know what? I got to pull it out. I mean, that sort of like wit, charm, the way he's able to play with the crowd. It, again, you know, to Scott, he, he speaks a language that really we've never really seen from another politician. It's clear he's still got that. It's clear he's able to connect with voters because of that. Uh, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out because it's a very different personality from... Uh, De sanctimonious, who we'll probably get to tonight, and some of the others. But yeah, I mean, interesting. Not, I don't think changes anybody's thoughts of who Trump is or his positions or anything like that. But uh, yeah, he still kind of got that Trump flair. Clearly,
0: Donald Trump existed in the first place as a national figure because Democrats went overboard and extreme on a number of policies and and patronizing uh, approaches to the American people. Donald Trump can exist today, in my opinion, with his non sequiturs, his conflation, his exaggerations, his avoidance of answering questions, because the bar has been set so low by the current president. I mean, so if if, if not for Joe Biden, this would be a disastrous performance, in my opinion. Yes, showmanship. Yes, he's, people are eating out of the palm of his hand. So purely from a... Uh, I'll grant you from a showmanship perspective and from people who are rabid Trump supporters, great. But from an independent voter is concerned from a content perspective, he, he, he didn't answer the most direct questions. You know, he didn't talk about the future. As you pointed out, Kevin, he wanted to litigate the past about the past election. Uh, but again, I'll just say, because Scott, I think Joe Biden, the bar is set so low. The fact is Kevin suggested the he walked out and, can put together a sentence in the first place and engage back and forth and appears to be conscious, you know, there, he's a winner, you know, from the outset. Yeah. I think, um, this is one of those weird moments where like everybody's going to be happy. Trump and his people will be happy because they like to put him in a position to bulldoze the media and to, you know, show energy and, uh, and the fighting spirit. The Democrats are probably thrilled because they think you know, uh, because of all the things you just said, that that he did nothing to help himself with the voters who actually decide general elections, and maybe hurt himself. Uh, so it, it's a it's a weird night where I think you may you may see everyone declaring victory, <laughs> and, and maybe have good reason to do it. You know, from a just from their own tactical lens. The uh, I mean, I, perhaps no answer uh, was more. Trump like and frankly honest than his answer on the debt ceiling where he's basically <laughs> saying <laughs> it's 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 i I'm yeah yes I'm he didn't say I'm being hypocritical but the whole the whole point was that his his approach would be different because well I, I'd be president then it's it was hilarious but at the same time very telling yeah, yeah. i think to me to me one of the one of the exchanges well, first of all, the his answer on the debt ceiling that he would just default. It could be a
1: bad day, a bad week. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: but 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 there are people who believe that. And obviously he he thinks they're his supporters. Um, the, the other exchange that was interesting to me was the back and forth over abortion. And I I was a little surprised that he leaned so heavily into taking credit for overturning Roe v. Wade, because there's been a lot of conjecture or reporting that he's been nervous about how that's going to impact his fortunes in the future. But he leaned right into it and took credit for it. I guess they've concluded you can't walk away from it because, you know, he he is probably one of the two people in America that are, you know, most singularly uh, responsible for having it overturned. But then, so he, he took credit for the overturning of Roe v. Wade, but then he really uh, danced around his own position on abortion and never really could be pinned down on, on what to do there. And at one point, you know, Caitlin asked him, well, what are you going to do? What is your position? And he said, I will, I will do whatever makes the country very happy, (laughs) you know, which is, (laughs) which is really no position at all. So if you're a pro-lifer and you've loved him on those issues, you got to love that he, you know, embraced the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But at the same time, uh, it probably makes you a little nervous that he, he was not able to be, Really pinned down at all on on whether he would continue to be a pro life president in another term.
1: What is also also interesting is he clearly set this up as a general election play. I mean, he if anything was just trying to contrast with Joe Biden. I don't think we got a mention of that he's in a Republican primary at all until you know the forty fifth minute when he mentions De Sanctimonious, and I don't I don't know if it went much (laughs) past that. And that's right. that's the, I mean, the high bar that he's going to have to pass before he can even face Biden. He has to win over this primary again.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, to Scott's point about the abortion issue. I mean, he he, he was all over the board because he oh to yeah credit for took credit for the Supreme Court justices, took credit for Roe v. Wade being overturned, took credit. I mean, and and went into great detail as far as uh, uh, full term abortions and 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 the, the the horrific nature of of what's the most extreme elements on the left are in favor of as far as abortion on demand, no matter what the, the, the age of the, of the, of the baby. Uh, but at the same time, Scott, despite all of that, he's like, he walked right up the line, but they wouldn't cross it, you know, in terms of actually uh, a, a agreeing to any kind of a federal law on that. However, I mean, just from a constitutional perspective, I mean, I'm not saying that he thinks this way. I mean, truly, what he could have just said is what they rightly did is they returned this right to the States you know, to, to be able to to legislate on their own as opposed to having a federalizing of this. But he, I don't know if he believes that. Yeah, I, well, I don't think he knows what he believes. I don't actually think he has too many deeply held views on this topic, really. I, I do think he did he did give voice to something that you hear a lot of Republicans talk about, and that is the debate on abortion is often defined in terms of Republican extremism. And everything the Republicans say they would do whether it's six weeks or 15 weeks, or it doesn't matter what you say, you're immediately called an extremist and Trump turned it around and said, they're the radicals, they're the extremists. And you hear a lot of Republicans talk about that. So I think, I think another takeaway for the pro-life audience there would be, they would be thrilled with hearing Trump turn that back around and say, we're not the radicals. They're the radicals. Look what they want to do. Now, whether the American people believe that, and you know, where does popular opinion fall on abortion by the time we roll around to the 2024 general, I, I don't know. But but for the pro-lifers that he's trying to appeal to for this primary, that that would have been a that would have that would have definitely hit a hit a, a chord with them. Jared, I know you were impressed by Trump pulling out the, uh, the the document was a, a, with large print Holy of his tweets shit. from January 6th. Uh, but, but I don't know what that actually proved. And frankly, it started the whole, you know, I was called a debate. The town hall began on somewhat of a just a disturbing note in terms of his wanting to pardon a large portion of the people who have been put in prison for uh, endangering people's lives and, and 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 whatever we want to call it. I don't care if you call it an insurrection, you call it a riot, whatever you call it. The point is, is people who are clear criminals who degraded the U.S. Capitol and the fact that he says he's going to pardon a large portion of them, What is what happened to the law and order?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting... Uh, you know, how much of, of this is, A, Trump going to have to deal with? B, is are the voters even sort of, you know, how much passes in, in one ear and out the other? We know from from some recent polling that voters don't even really want to relitigate January 6th and those sorts of things. So I think, you know, to your point, I think it's unfortunate that that people maybe are, are kind of blocking that out. But again, I think back to the, you know, the question of the uh, abortion, too, it's like Trump's sort of like, his record versus the good things he did versus January, the the sort of baggage and all that sort of stuff. The other candidates just aren't going to have to deal with this, right? Like uh, Ron DeSantis has a very clear record on abortion and crime and tax policy. And Trump is out there like, well, this and well, and that, and maybe this and that. And so those first, you know, 20, 25 minutes where he's talking about all of these like non-policy, you know, things that voters, uh, uh, don't want to hear about certainly you know the get past the primary voters the you know general election voters. I, I'll be interested to see how it, it, you know if he comes up a with a better answer because uh, uh, the idea that all of these people are innocent and that the person who killed Ashley Babbitt was you know bragging uh, bragging. It. I mean it's absolute nonsense, yeah. right? It, it's it's not it's not even a, a disagreement. It's absolute nonsense. And so, again, I don't know if he needs a better answer, though, right? Because I don't even know if people are sort of tuned into that anymore. Uh, I mean, for us, it's strange. But I just don't know if it matters, which is a weird thing to say.
0: But I I think that that's the real question um, is, does it really matter? Because remember, I think the I think he's betting on Like if you're somebody who is a January 6th focus voter, like if that's your top issue right now. You're not voting. There's nothing he's going to say to reel you in. So that's off the board. Um, So I'm, I'm not sure it really matters on that end of the equation. On the other side, though, he is trying to obviously keep his people together and engaged and energized. Again, he's not trying to get a majority of the vote. I'm not even sure he's trying to get more popular votes. I think he's just trying to get enough votes to possibly win the Electoral College. And that's a much different communications theory on that topic or any other topic, then, well, let's see, let's see if we can get 50% plus one. That's not what he's trying to do here, obviously. Uh, and, and, and the other thing is he's also banking on a lot of these things, not mattering because he he really wants the race to be decided on the grounds of mental and physical fitness. So if you believe Joe Biden is mentally or physically unfit to hold the office, they're banking on people not really caring all that much about what donald trump says or his positions are just as long as they think he's vigorous, vigorous enough to do the job i think those are the two calculations they've made and so to you know to analyze this through that lens you, you can see why he wouldn't he wouldn't really mind you know taking some of these positions jerry you said they're nonsense well they're nonsense for a majority of americans but they may not be nonsense for the people he's trying to collect and motivate to vote
1: isn't it fair to say that he made a very similar argument in 2020 and it didn't work out for him
0: well yes He, he, i mean i think you kevin you hit on even in 2016 topic
1: the same like he He, made the same argument against hillary
0: he is who he is and he speaks a language that can get about 45 percent of the vote he lost the national popular vote twice he won the electoral college once I just think they have already concluded they're not going to ever win more votes. It's just a matter of, can I win enough votes in the right states? And, and so I'm never going to, I don't think we're ever going to hear him pivot to a message or to any kind of a communication strategy uh, that that is him trying to win over certain kinds of voters. I mean, look, there's nobody out there on the fence on Donald Trump. It's just a matter of, I mean, you heard him say it. He said, "Well, I got 12 million more votes than any other sitting president. I mean, they're already doing the math on on uh, on how many votes does he have to get to win the electoral college, and so on and so forth. So, anyway, I I just think I don't know. He's he's gonna he's gonna run this playbook again, and this time they think the secret sauce will be Biden Biden's feebleness, and that well, will other, basically yeah. that will basically make it enough." The way it was, Kevin, as you said, in 16, it was enough in 16. Hillary's awfulness was enough in 16. Biden's feebleness, will it be enough in 24? The other change, I think, Scott, is I think you're exactly right as far as a contrast of, of Biden's feebleness versus Trump's relative, uh, you know, uh, you know vibrance, if you want to call it that. But, but beyond that, I, it, it seemed to me that certainly his description of the Biden presidency kind of recalls his inaugural address of American carnage. And it's a lot easier to me for for Trump to be basically a serial complainer, challenger, uh, rail against the machine. You know, he was the machine, as you pointed out before in 2020. He was the incumbent. It's harder to, to complain about the institutions and the deep state and everything if you're actually in power. He's in a much better position, ironically, as being out of office and trying to unseat someone like he was trying to succeed Obama and, and succeeded versus, you know, being the person trying to defend his record and still reel against the people in power. So it seems to me his most effective moments in the uh, the town hall with Caitlin Collins on CNN was talking about inflation, was talking about, uh, you know, just the state of the country, talking drill, baby, about the drill. horrific, uh, you know, coming out of Afghanistan, all those kind of things. So, yeah, drill, baby drill yeah. on energy dependence. I mean, he was, and so that's the area where he was able to kind of, yeah, I can I'm off on the outside again. I can punch. I can punch versus yeah. taking the punches as the incumbent. Oh, no question. He treated Hillary like the incumbent in 16 and was successful with it. And as the incumbent, he he's he's a better he's a he's better in the peanut gallery than he is. Right. <laughs> than he is as a ringmaster. I mean, that's you know, that's been the uh uh you know, we've we've learned that over two elections. This may be a more natural fighting environment for him and you know, I, I have my doubts about whether all this is going to work out the way they want. But but for now, it, it's obviously, you know, it's obviously what Republicans want to see at the moment. And so, you know, they're, they're going to go with it. OK, I, obviously, I was critical and I, ha- I am critical of just his his, his nonsense uh, and, and a lot of different answers. The area, But I'm going to ask each of you and I'm going to start with what I think was the strongest moment to me, the strongest moment and the area where he might actually get some uh maybe some independence Scott is his answer on Russia Ukraine. Because mm. now he didn't t- he didn't answer it fully, but it seemed to me he said, I want the war to end. I want people to stop dying. I want this to and so and I don't know if as many people in this country are interested in Ukraine's victory as they are in 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 Ukraine's survival. And uh I mean I, I don't mean to infer too much about what the rest of the American people think, but it seems to me that I mean, if he had drawn to a logical conclusion and answered Caitlin Collins' question and say, listen, when she said, who do you want to, she was making clear, to, to say, you know, trying to nail him down saying, who's going to, who do you want to win, quote unquote. And the best way to answer that is to say, any foreign policy person worth their salt is going to tell you that Russia is still going to be a country after this thing is over. So, I mean, as far as victory or defeat, are you saying you want Russia to cease to exist? No, they're still going to exist. Ukraine's still going to exist. It needs to be a negotiated settlement, which basically yeah, is basically what I, he's saying. I agree with you that I think some people will agree with his disposition on that. The people who are focused on this issue will see in him uh, a, uh, you know, sort of a, you know, see he's still, he's still as sympathetic to the Russians, you know, and so that that will invite some of that. I mean, the most ridiculous part of his answer is, well, I haven't solved in 24 hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, so while I agree with you on that, I think part of his answer was actually a, a stronger moment for him in some ways that, that part of it was, was just not serious. And so I, I don't know. I, I, again, I, I just go back to, if, if you look at each of these individual issues and try to parse, well, maybe he won someone over here that I just, I just don't think he's that kind of a candidate. I don't, I don't think somebody who voted against him is going to ever say, well, maybe this time I'll give him a chance. Cause that one time he said something about Ukraine that I thought was smart. <laughs> I just, I just, right. I, I, I think, I just think we, we are constantly banging our heads against the wall, trying to analyze him the way we would other politicians. And they're just playing a different game. Uh, and, and, and the way to get to the white house is, is totally different than the way we're used to thinking of it in my opinion Jerry. what was the strongest moment in your opinion
2: i'll loop back to the strongest one on the ukraine i just want to say one thing really quickly i yep. thought the the war criminal and his refusal to call putin a war criminal is is again this sort of interesting insight into the trump uh sort of plan here and that it's like well that's what that's what the sort of like corporate media that's what the you know the the fact checkers and the deep state that's what they want you to call them but that doesn't even mean anything that's sort of like his whole shtick here is like that's what the narrative is i don't care about the narrative the narrative isn't true i'm playing by my own rules i'm not going to call him war criminal but i'll solve it in 24 hours like you can virtue signal and do your little nonsense you know he harped on this with the 53 miles versus hundreds of miles of well that's just that's just what they want you to think i don't even care about that so i, I thought he had a couple of Interesting moments like that, where he sort of rails on the justice system or the election system or literally everything else now that I'm thinking about it out <laughs> loud that's all rigged against me, so don't listen to what they're saying. listen to what i'm saying it's sort of an interesting strategy i'll go back i, I thought his best answer was on the the abortion because he pivoted so quickly to saying the other side is the radical side yeah. like let's like we're in and, and we've talked about this a bunch of times we're our side is on, on the offensive for the first time in a long time. That's because of me. The other side is crazy. That's the, that's the first thing we got to figure out, fighting back the crazies. And I think there's a lot of people who, who think that way, too. Of, And, and again, maybe this is a, a sort of like ricochet shot at uh, DeSantis and that like, ah, the states, are, who knows, maybe they're doing things, maybe that's what should happen or shouldn't happen. Because, you know, DeSantis, again, will get up there and be able to run on this record on abortion. Uh I thought that was his best answer. I, I know he sort of lost himself at the end there of what well what would you support in terms of a weak ban or, or uh you know actual restrictions. But again, I thought the beginning half of that answer was, was pretty strong. Uh but again he's you know, the more he gets into things and the more his hands start going, <laughs> you, you know you know we've sort of lost him. But I, I thought right. that was interesting 'cause it, it it's probably his biggest success. Uh, and so I think he's he should tout that, and I thought he did a decent job touting that.
0: What did you guys think of? Uh, uh, before I forget, I'm just watching some replays here as we record this. What did you guys think of the moment when he said, You're a nasty person to Caitlin? I, I, th- those things make me terribly embarrassed for him, obviously. I mean, I, I just, She's not a nasty person, and uh, and I I don't know. I, I think he he does get enraged when people speak to him about his falsehoods, and um. But isn't and I but 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 I just that, that those things I I hate those moments because you know you could you could spar with somebody. Uh, but to call Caitlin Collins a nasty person is just
1: isn't, isn't that the things that we've just been talking about that people love him for. It's the saying what other people won't say. I mean, you know, he coined the term fake news and nasty woman. Everyone goes around and says says those things now. Um, I mean, it it, it it was directed at her, but I don't think it was about her. It was about any any journalist, any person questioning him, just nasty. And that, yeah. that's all he's got. And I, th- I think that's what the people eat up.
0: Well, and this is frankly, I mean, this is, yes, he had some strong moments and yes, he fired up his, his, his core supporters with things like that. The whole thing though was, is, is, is two different, the journalist, Caitlin Collins and the candidate, Donald Trump completely circling in different orbits. I mean, not that I mean, maybe sort of it at the very top, Scott, as far as he's just on or maybe Jerry, you did Jared, as far as his language and his approach and everything else, he's just on a different level Yeah, and he's communicating with people beyond he's using CNN to get to them. And the fact that, a, that, a, that a national network is doing this rather than him having to go through Newsmax or OAN or truth social or some other kind of fringe way to do it. it I mean, this is what we've missed if you will. I mean, for, for people who like, what's Donald Trump up to, you know, <laughs> is, is, is seeing him on a, on a quote unquote real network. But that said, I mean, he, so he was on there but he wasn't engaged there. He was there yeah. to do his shtick. She just happened to be doing something, uh, her own little patter, you know, and kind of launching these, these questions here, but they really weren't responding to each other. Yeah. The, he's, he just, I said at the top, he speaks a different language and he's talking to a group of people that they just don't understand. And, and, and there'll be a lot of grousing about this and complaining and what, but, but he's there to communicate with a certain group of people And he doesn't really, I mean, he doesn't really care what Caitlin Collins says or anyone else on CNN says, or it's not, he's playing a different game. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing tennis and he's playing, you know, rugby (laughs) and, and, uh, and the rules are not the same. The strategies are not the same. The communications theories are not the same. It's just, it's obvious. And, uh, and so um, they were having a conversation, but not really. Do you think and it, and, it, and it felt a little more like a debate than a than an actual interview? You know, it, it felt more like a debate than an interview mm-hmm. for that reason, I think. Do right? you, do you get think the Repu- before I get to that, do you, <laughs> Scott, do you
1: think Republican primary voters tuned into CNN? We know, you know, the polls have shown it's not their favorite network, but do you think they tuned in to watch Trump?
0: I think, um, I think some certainly did. I I'd be curious to see the numbers. I don't really know. I mean, I think the Trump folks were promoting it pretty heavily. Yeah. They wanted people to watch. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of scrolling the Twitter reaction as we, as we do this here. And uh, I mean, liberals are melting down yeah. about CNN. I mean, they're just absolutely losing it.
1: Which, and which is it what looks he wanted. like Trump
0: and Trump and his people are celebrating, you know, but he bulldozed CNN. So, it I don't know uh great question I, I I believe I believe this show was probably viewed sub- by substantially more people than the normal you know random primetime night on CNN but we'll I guess we'll find out soon enough yeah so
1: uh I, I think the answers everybody's given on strongest answer are, are good I keep coming back to when they asked him the question about inflation and what he was going to do about it and his response was exactly Trumpy drill baby drill it was just a, a short quick, catchy phrase. I know he didn't coin it, but just drill, baby, drill. And then he went into, he built the strongest economy in 50 years, you know, and because of that, he could give the biggest tax cut bigger than even Reagan's. I mean, I think that I did it before I can do it again. The only thing that took me down was this, this pandemic. And then he went on his riff about that, but it's everybody's still hurting right now. And the economy still sucks for lots of people right now. And he says, I did it before I can do it again. That is actually part of his forward looking message.
0: Yeah, I uh, my first response, by the way, or my this reaction when I saw him walk out on stage again, I haven't watched a lot of Trump, and I don't, you know, and, and this is my first time really seeing him, I guess, in in a, in a televised appearance in quite a while, and uh, he, I mean, he, he is, but was was he seventy eight? He 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 looked appreciably older to me. Now, I think there's no question the contrast between him and Biden from a communication standpoint is is light years apart. But, but it just seemed to me that he, it was a different Donald Trump. Now, once he got going, it kind of like, okay. Now I was like, it's like going to a see like an aging rock star, you know, And somebody, Mm -hmm. when they first walk out on stage, you're like, man, they look so much different than their album that I bought in 1985. But then when they start singing the hit songs, it sounds like them like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm actually seeing the real guy. He's 76. He'll be 77 in June. Um, Thank you. But I, I thought, I mean, but there's, but there's no comparison between him and Biden. I mean, I mean, I mean, Joe Biden can't even get through prepared, simple, short prepared remarks. I mean, and can you Tr- imagine? Trump actually shook the right
1: hand at the end of it. He didn't go around shaking <laughs> air for ten minutes. I mean, uh. can you? But, but, but can you
0: imagine Biden ha- having? Well, the thing is, though, Biden will never be put in a position mm-hmm. where he is essentially debating a nimble member of the press corps in that way. Like they will never, ever, he'll never be in that position. You know, the thing about Trump is when he goes into one of these things, you know, it's going to be combat from minute one for Biden. It's never combat ever. And, and even those he he has trouble fighting through it. And so, I mean, anybody watching that would, would, I mean, even if you hate Donald Trump and you love Joe Biden in your heart, you know, Donald Trump runs circles around Biden when it comes to just the, you know, the ability to do what happened tonight. You may hate everything he said. You may think he's a huge liar, but just the ability to have a back and forth that was that fast paced for a solid hour at that time of the night. Joe (laughs) Biden ain't doing that. So, Scott, uh, in our remaining moments here, uh, I, I have to ask you a little. You kind of intimated as far as what the left is melting down. I can only imagine uh in terms of you know allowing him even an opportunity to speak in the first place is 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 it just doesn't make any sense to, to some folks uh you know Trump or CNN Fox News MSNBC all benefited greatly in ratings and in, and in uh, in just in, in advertising revenue because of Donald Trump they all leaned in mm-hmm. in 2016. uh is is this do you would you expect to see a lot more Donald Trump on CNN moving forward? I don't know about that. Um, I I don't think they're going to give him a town hall every week, but I do think the network has shown a commitment to covering the 2024 presidential campaign in full. And that means covering Donald Trump. It means, I assume, covering Ron DeSantis. They had a town hall with Mike Pence not too long ago. Um, There are Republicans on the panel tonight. I'm going to be on here after we finish recording here in a few minutes and And Byron Donalds is on, you know, one of the panels. tonight. I mean, they're they're obviously saying to the American people, we are going to cover this campaign fully. And that means uh, having as much visibility into the Republican Party as the Democratic Party. I think ultimately that is a good thing. I think it's also going to cause a massive meltdown on the American left. And uh, we can talk about it on the pod next week. But uh, someone mentioned it earlier. A poll came out this week about which news outlets Republicans and Democrats trust. And CNN was the worst, you know, for Republicans. And, and I don't know how you ever rebuild that trust unless you cover this fully. It is an interesting debate about what is a network's responsibility to cover the people who are making the news. Even if you think those people are saying things that are demonstrably false, you know, every, with every breath, it's, it is a really sort of fascinating uh, thing, but I, I sort of side ultimately on the, I come out on the side of speech, and the side of our politicians have to be heard. People are smart and they can listen to everybody and they can vote and so I guess I am I guess I come down on the side of I think CNN's doing the right thing by allowing the republican candidates, Trump and everyone else to make their case because I guess I believe in speech in the american people more than I believe in in the the liberals who think we have to censor uh, the republicans that they hate.
1: You're right Scott. So CNN people call up Robert F Kennedy Jr. <laughs> Schedule his town hall, get the Democrats out there too.
0: I mean, the thing is, you know, if you, if you wanted to restrict access to the media of presidents or presidential candidates who lie, I mean, Joe Biden lies every day. I'm sorry. I mean, yes, Donald Trump has said things that are not true and and everybody knows it, but so has Joe Biden and Joe Biden frequently makes completely erroneous statements and, Democrats have been okay with that. They're fine because well, it's not quite as much as Trump, so it's okay. Well, no, that's not the standard and that's not okay. And so um, the people tonight who are melting down over CNN, you know, giving Trump a venue, well, Joe Biden gets a venue on every major you know outlet every day and uh, and and he's no paragon of virtue when it comes to honesty. so I guess I'm just not too sympathetic to that argument. I think it's I think it's as much a question of style as it is substance because Trump is is perceived him as being to quote his word, a nasty person, you know, and, and, and to Biden, for whatever reason, deserved or undeserved is considered to be sort of like a, you know, he's ultimately, he's a nice guy. Now, I don't know how the press and given last week's podcast and your points on that Scott, in terms of of Joe Biden laughing at the press and not with them, I don't know how long they'll go along with that. If they, if, if, if they ultimately understand and realize that they're being manipulated, just used, but that said, the way it is right now, he's, I mean, in the same way as, as Joe Biden set the bar very low for, for Donald Trump to clear, uh, Donald Trump sets a pretty bar, <laughs> a low bar himself for Joe Biden as far as, uh, you know, dishonesty is concerned. I'm looking at a, uh, just before we go, so I'm looking at a comment from the Never Back Down PAC. This is the PAC supporting DeSantis. I've been wondering while we've been recording this how are the other candidates going to respond? So here's the never back down PAC statement about the town hall. On the same day, Ron DeSantis was assailing Joe Biden's border crisis. Donald Trump was on CNN attacking DeSantis and lying about finishing the border wall. The CNN town hall was as expected over an hour of nonsense that proved Trump is stuck in the past. After 76 years Trump still doesn't know where he stands on important conservative issues like supporting life and the second amendment. How does that make America great again? I'm not sure. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not sure that statement's going to cut it. I don't, (laughs) I I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that they found a way to respond to this. I I know that's an immediate reaction, but this, this doesn't strike me as over the target just yet. Well, the problem is though, Scott, is that for the most part, the people who try to take on Trump directly try to be Donald Trump. And, and only he can be Donald Trump. He's the best Donald Trump there is. Uh, and, and everyone else tries to kind of be that, to adopt that same attitude. And obviously they can't match Donald Trump being Donald Trump. But ultimately that, what you have then is something like that, which is a lot more difficult and convoluted to follow. But yeah. it's, it's pretty standard. I mean, I think they almost would have been better off saying something like, you know, here's the facts. Donald Trump craves CNN's attention. And I don't. And when I'm president, they won't have any access to the Republican Party. That 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 probably would have been. Now, this is a pack. It's not DeSantis directly. Right. But it strikes me they would have almost been better off going with something like that than meandering around. I don't know. I'm not sure that's not sure that's going to fly. But I guess we'll see over. You know, I mean, ultimately, they want to point out or they want to try to make the case that Trump is not an actual conservative or can't be trusted to be a true conservative, which, you know, given the way they're running the campaign and given some of the people involved, that was kind of the Ted Cruz answer back in 2016. Well, I'm an authentic conservative and you don't know what he is going to be. You, you get that same flavor here. It worked uh, out really well
1: for Ted Cruz in 2016, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, but uh, anyway, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see how it unfolds over the next few days. And, uh, and uh, when we get the ratings and, and more reaction, but I got to, I got to wrap up tonight, guys, because I got to get back over to the studio and do a little work tonight. So, good being with Jerry you for the Roberts, for Kevin Brout, Scott Jennings. I'm Joe Arnold. This emergency podcast in the wake of the CNN town hall with Caitlin Collins and Donald Trump. Thanks for listening. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Fly Over Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast.